So today we're talking about prayer. And the first question I got from you guys, I asked you guys to write down some questions on these little question cards. The first question we got is, why is it so important to pray? And that's something that I've thought about a lot because it's like if God knows everything and if God kind of does everything, it's like why, why does he even need me to talk to him? Like isn't he just going to do what he's going to do regardless of what I say and do? And I think the first thing that we need to understand about prayer that kind of addresses that question is like what is prayer for? Is it because God just is like he, he's lonely and needy and he like needs us to talk to him or maybe God is just, you know, like this oppressive ruler who's like, oh, I'm going to force these citizens to talk to me. Like, what is the reason? I, I think the way that we need to look at it is to understand that prayer is about relationships. So I put up on the screen some of these words. Um, let's look at them. It says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. This is Jesus. He's talking to a crowd of people who've come to him and they're like, all right, Jesus, teach us everything you got, all the good stuff. And he goes through what's called the Sermon on the Mount and he's telling people like, this is the way to live. Like, this is the way to understand life. So he says, he's talking about prayer. And he says, listen, guys, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. For those guys, they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corner of the streets that they'll be seen by people. Assuredly, I say to you that they have the reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you even ask him. So this is Matthew chapter 6. If you aren't there, we're in verse 5 starting. Jesus starts off by basically saying the first thing you need to understand about, about prayer is relationship. And you might be looking at this and you're like, well, I don't see him saying that. But you have to read between the lines. Look at how many times he says the word father. Verse six, when you have shut your door, he's saying, don't go out in the open and try to make a big show of it so everyone knows how spiritual you are. He's saying, go and close the door behind you and pray to your father who's in the secret place and your father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. And then verse eight, um, do not be like those guys because your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Now, I don't know what your relationship with your father is like. I hope a lot of you guys have good relationships. Some of you guys might not have fathers, but ideally a father is something that was invented by God to be one of the closest relationships you can have. And I know some of you guys might be missing that. Um, this is actually, this is awesome for you. Because what you need to understand is that Jesus desires to be the best father you could ever have. If you're here today and you don't really have a father figure, Jesus is like, hey, I invented that role and I can play that role in your life. Um, the word for father that's used in these texts is Abba. And that was actually, it was this word, it was super cute, where, you know, the, the Jewish men who would walk around at the time, you know, they'd, they'd be very self-important and they'd wear their robes and very religious. Um, but when they'd get home, their kids would run up to them. They'd be like, Abba, Abba, Father. And it was this really sweet relational thing where it's like the kids love their dad and they love to jump on their dad and play with their dad. And, and in the same way, um, we can think of father, you know, as like this like priest type of like holy man thing, like our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We can think of it as like this very like, oh, father in heaven. Like, and really Jesus wants us to think of him as dad. He wants us to think of him. He wants us to look at God and say, God, you're my father, and I love you so much. And, and in this way, when it comes to prayer, like I understand that my God wants a relationship with me, and that is a fantastic thing, to know that God actually desires a relationship with me, to know that God actually wants to talk to me. God didn't need me. God didn't need you he created us out of love. God is love, and he created us so that he could enjoy this relationship with us. When, when, when I want to ask you, like, how, how is your prayer life? Do you pray much? If you don't, understand, first of all, it's about relationship. God wants to talk to you. If you're not talking to him on a regular basis, think about your own friends 
or family? Wouldn't they be bummed? Wouldn't you be bummed if they just didn't talk to you? Or if they only said something to you on Sundays? Or if they only said something really quick to you before meals? You know what I mean? Like if, uh, if the only time you, your mom talked to you was like, she's like, thank you for eating this food that I have prepared for you, amen. And then like your mom didn't say anything to you. Or if like you're with your friend and your friend was like, hey man, help me with my math homework, amen. And then like that's all he said to you, right? That's not relationship. That's like, give me just religious, repetitious response. It's no good. Prayer is about relationship. The next thing we want to look at is just the idea of prayer being simple. Prayer is really simple, like really, really simple. And we totally, totally complicate it. Look at verse 7. Jesus is saying, when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. We talked about this last week. How many of us have in a prayer meeting been totally ignoring the heartfelt prayers of our friend because we're sitting there thinking of our prayer, like trying to come up and concoct this really spiritual sounding prayer. I've totally done that. My friend's praying. I'm like, okay, do I lead off with like our father, um, blessed be your name, okay? And uh, I just want to hallowedly request of thy name. Like just these, these crazy, like religious sounding prayers. You know, some of you guys, like you don't use the King James language, but sometimes we really can put a lot of effort into making sure we sound spiritual in front of other people, and prayer is honestly really simple. It is just talking to God. It is absolutely just talking to him. Um, The other day, I was frustrated about something, and I went out in my backyard, and it wasn't like this big, long religious ordeal where I was like bowing to the West like 20 times or anything. I just went out, and I was like, man, God, like, okay, this happened. I'm really bummed about this, and I love you, and thank you for this, and oh, I need help with this, and you're so great in this way. And and it was like, just like if I was talking to my wife or my friend, and that's what God is looking for, that simple thing. He's not, when he says vain repetitions, it makes me think of, um, Sometimes how, and, and people make fun of this, and I'm going to too, but then I'm going to clarify. Like vain repetitions, we all do it, where you pray and you're just like, and Lord, I just want to thank you, Lord. Lord, I just want to come here, Lord, and thank you, Lord God, for, Lord, this meal. And God, thank you so much, Jesus, Lord, for this meal. And God, I just, man, I want to beseech you for this, this, the meals that the hands have prepared. And Lord, and God's just like, I know my name. Like, you don't need to tell it to me. Like, I understand what my name is. You don't need to keep repeating it. It's a habit that I'm desperately trying to break. Um, that is something I am consciously trying to do when I pray, is to not say Lord so many times. And please don't judge anybody who, do, who does do. Um, don't judge people. I know people who do that. They're like, man, I just can't stand it when people say Lord so much. And it's like, dude, come on, give it a break. Like, we've grown up in a culture where we do that. Um, but sometimes we can repeat religious-sounding phrases in prayers, like Christianese words, just because we think that's what we're supposed to be saying in prayer. And I would never do that with my wife. I would never come to Brooklyn and be like, like, Lady Brooklyn, hallowed be thy name. I, I just ask, I come before you to request that you would prepare this meal. Like, I, I would not do that. I just, I'm like, hey, babe, how you doing? I love you. Like, what's for dinner? Like, it's, it's a relationship. It's, it's, I don't use, like, weird religious words with her um, thinking that it'll be more spiritual. And you need to understand that when you pray to God, it's not about how you talk. It's about what you say. It's about, like, are you loving God? Are you talking to him? And we're gonna get into, if you're like, well, I don't even know what to say in a prayer, we're gonna get into it. But you need to understand prayer is very simple. Um, it is just you talking to God. God doesn't have any like rules for it where he's like, you must do this. And you, it's not like you show it to like a, a, an event. It's like a black tie event. And if you're wearing like a, I was watching uh, Downton Abbey and it was like, they showed up and um, it was like a white tie event and he wore a black tie. And it was like, oh, the scandal. Like it's, it's not like that. Um, you can't show up to prayer. There, were, there was a guy at the beach um, when we did our little uh street witnessing thing and a bunch of surfers were getting saved and a guy comes up and he's like hey, is it okay if I pray without a shirt on and it's like yes like God made the first man naked so you're fine it's absolutely fine like you can pray in any circumstance God just wants to talk to you the next thing that we look at is prayer is powerful and prayer absolutely is powerful 
Verse eight says, therefore, do not be like them for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Prayer is super, super powerful. And here's the deal. Um, Let me see, there was a question. There was a question in here. I might go over it again. But it was basically asking like, like, why do we even pray? Like, why is prayer important? I think to me, what I understand, in fact, I looked it up. Why is prayer important? Why must we pray? For one thing, prayer is a form of serving God, as it says in Luke 2, verse 36 and 38, and obeying him. We know that serving God and obeying him is really important. And again, God is not like a taskmaster where he's like whipping us, like, you better pray or I'm not gonna do anything for you. Like, you guys have no idea how much God has blessed you and me regardless of our prayers. It's not like you can say like every single thing that's good in your life, like, oh, well, I got that because I prayed for it. Yeah, I got that because I asked for it. Like, I'm such a good prayer. I was on my knees every day, like for 20 hours, and that's why I have that thing. Like, no, we're so blessed. We have so many blessings in our life because God just wants to bless us. But God is looking for this is, this is really what I think it comes down to. God wants to increase his relationship with us. And you can't really have a relationship with somebody if you're not talking to them. And so I think a lot of times in our life, God is drawing us to him. Now, what I don't think is happening is God's like withholding. Like he's like, oh, you're not gonna pray. I'm not gonna bless you. That's not his attitude. I think a lot of times God wants to do something in our life and he's drawing us to pray. And I think a lot of times you guys might've felt that call in your heart, like a tugging, like, man, like, I feel like I should go pray, but we get distracted and and we have so many things in our life that take away from our time with the Lord. I think we miss out because prayer is powerful. There was a guy, um, like an old school theologian who desperately wanted these five friends of his to get saved. And he prayed for them every single day. It was just a part of his routine. He'd pray for these five of his best friends to get saved. And years went by, 10 years went by, and one of those guys got saved. Another 10 years went by, another one of those guys got saved. And years kept going by. All of them got saved except one. But he just kept praying and praying, and he didn't give up. And at last, he died. Well, that friend came to his funeral and got saved at the funeral. And I just, I attribute that, that that God listens Like he hears our cry. The Bible says that the Lord hears our cry. Did you know God cares about what you're going through? Did you know that that prayer isn't just you yelling into the wind like it feels so many times, but God gives an ear and listens to the things you're going through because he really genuinely cares about you. Prayer is powerful. The Bible says that faith can move mountains. And I think there's a lot of mountains in our life that sometimes go unmoved because we're just trying to push them in our own strength. And God just says, hey, have a little faith. Well, what does that mean, God? Like, if this situation, if I want it to get better, what does that mean? Like, I have to, like, every day pray for, like, five hours? And God's like, no, like, I said the faith of a mustard seed moves a mountain. Have you even given it to me? Are you just trying to fix this problem on your own or are you going to get on your knees and just give me some of your time and talk to me about it, to lay it out before me, whatever you're going through, whether it's a relationship problem, whether it's a family problem, whether it's a school problem. So many times we we try to fix these problems on our own and we, we forget that the God who parted the Red Sea and created the earth and killed a giant using a little shepherd boy is on our side and cares desperately about us. It'd be like if you lived next to a bajillionaire and you were like, oh, I need money to do my laundry. I guess I'll just like look through my couch cushions for scraps. Like you're like looking desperately for this money, trying on your own, you don't find anything. And the millionaire who, by the way, has visited you and said, hey, I love you and I'll give you money anytime, just come ask. Like, wouldn't that be weird if we didn't go ask? But that's what it's like. We have the, the richest being in the universe lives within our heart. And we don't go to him. So many times I don't because I want to fix my problems in my own strength. We need to remember that prayer is powerful. So moving through this, Jesus says to the disciples, here's how you pray, okay? You guys want to know how to pray? Here's how you pray. Because people are wondering, they're like, what do, where do we go from here? Jesus, you've told, us, you've told us these things about prayer. How do we live them out? 
This is what Jesus is saying. He gives us a template. Some of you guys who are into structure and systems will actually enjoy this because Jesus lays it out. Now, please understand, if you hear this study today and what you get out of it is every time I pray, it has to be formatted this way, and if it doesn't, my prayers don't count, then that's sad. That's not what we're trying to say. But what we are trying to say is that God wants to help us pray. And so he's laid out for us the heart behind prayer. You guys have heard this so many times. It's kind of like the whole old poem, now I lay me down to sleep, I I pray the Lord my soul to keep, and if I die before I wake, like that whole thing. This is one of the things we hear a ton. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And it's really easy to just read this and just gloss right over it and just be like, oh, okay, cool, prayer, awesome. But we need to break this down and examine it and see what truth is in it. So the first thing that we see is honor the king. Because look, this is how Jesus says to start the prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be your name. Now, I think this goes beyond dear Jesus. Have you guys seen that little, that vine of like the praying mantis guy? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? There's a praying mantis and he's always like, dear Jesus, please give me a good day. And it's just, it's like these little six second videos. They're, they're, they got famous, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but that's seriously, it's just like, dear Jesus, dear God, Thank you for this day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's like the standard, right? Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Um, I wonder how many times God has been thanked for the day. I mean, do we even really mean that when we say thank you for this day? But it's the standard. That's just what we grow up. And I think it comes from childhood. You're trained as a little kid to say, dear Jesus, thank you for this day. And it becomes something that doesn't mean anything and matter. I think it goes beyond dear Jesus because dear Jesus is just kind of like a formality. You know, like I would go up to Tony and be like, dearest Tony. But I'm not really telling him much about himself. I'm not really telling him how I feel about him. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, when we start prayer, we need to give honor to the king. We wouldn't walk up to a king and be like, sup, king, give me some jewels. Like, <laughs> that's not what we would do. We'd be, we'd, we would bow before the king and we'd give him the honor he deserves. And Jesus deserves so much honor and respect. So I think when we start our prayer, we need to recognize, one, we have a father, but we also have a king. We go to God and it's like, man, God, you're so great. Your name is so powerful. You're so amazing. Like, I'm so blown away with who you are. When we start a prayer, we give respect to God. We give him some praise. We start with praise, and we honor the king. Now, you don't have to say those exact words, whatever that looks like for you, but when you pray, give God some praise. Start with praise. Give him the respect he deserves. Um, I got a question. This is the only question I had time to like put on the PowerPoint, so the rest will just have to do cards at the end. But questions from you. Is there a difference between intentionally thinking about someone and your thoughts, or do you have to address God in order for it to be a prayer? Um, yes, you definitely have to address God in order for it to be a prayer. If I'm just thinking happy thoughts like towards Brooklyn, which I do all the time, I'm just like, oh, I hope her day is going good. I hope she had enough food to eat and I love her. Like, I, I think positive happy thoughts about Brooklyn. And, um, but I'm not like praying to her. Like, I'm not talking to her. I have to text her. Like, I have to actually like call her and talk to her. Um, you can't pray to Mary or a dead person or a saint. Like, that doesn't work. Like, God is the only person you can have this crazy spiritual connection with. So if you're just thinking thoughts about God, that's one thing, but you have to address him. You have to honor the king. You have to say, like, Lord, I'm here. Hey, hey, Lord. Hey, Jesus, I love you so much. I'm here to talk to you. Just like you would in any conversation with your friend, you start by addressing them. So the next thing we learn is to seek first the kingdom. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're seeing three things here. One, 
We want the kingdom to come and we want the will to be done. We want God's will over our will. Just like Jesus was in the garden sweating drops of blood and he's praying and he says, God, your will be done above my will. I don't want to die. I don't want to be crucified, but your will trumps my will every time. Your will defeats my will. And to be honest, a lot of times that's not how I pray. I remember in junior high, there was a kid who drove me crazy. This guy, Michael, he drove me insane. You guys remember, um, you know, I, I would throw stuff and it would boomerang back and hit him and I didn't even mean it. Um, this guy drove me crazy and I remember I would pray for him, but my prayers were like, Lord, change him, make him different, make him a better person, transfer him to a different school, I hate him. Like just the blackness of my heart, like coming forth. And, um, and now he's a great guy and we're friends. We, we Facebook chat. But back then he was like arch nemesis. And my prayer wasn't God, your will be done. It wasn't like, God, whatever you want to happen in this situation, happen. Like, God, I want your will to be done. If you want me to become a nicer person, because this guy's so mean, if you want me to become more loving, to react to his meanness, help me to do that. God, if you want to do something in my life and change me, how many times do we pray this way? How many times is it just, Lord, change my situation, make my situation better? Guys, we face trials all the time, but God wants to turn our trials into gold. Like, that's, that's truly what he wants to do. He wants to take the hard things you're going through and teach you and, and grow you closer to him. And if we're just running away from our problems and rejecting our problems all the time, if we're just praying, like, God, change my situation, what I try to do now is instead of saying, God, change my situation, I try to pray and say, God, change me. Help me to bend to your will. Help me to become more like you. The interesting thing about this is we pray your kingdom come and and we think of heaven and it's like, yes, Lord, we pray. And it's almost like we think of, um, you know, the kingdom of heaven, like riding on a cloud, like coming towards the earth to like smash this earth, right? Like we can think of it that way. Like, God, I want your kingdom to come. And like the kingdom of heaven is like this distant, far off thing. And it's like, man, this earth is so bad. This earth is not my home. This earth is terrible. Oh, your kingdom come. Blow up this earth and give us that new kingdom. But, but look at what it says. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this goes to the basics of what we're learning in Sermon on the Mount. Jesus isn't just saying, hey, get saved, and then when you get to heaven, this is how you'll live. He's saying the kingdom of heaven, yes, one day we will be in heaven, in the sky, which will be awesome and fantastic, but let's start it now. Like the kingdom is here. Let's live for Jesus now. Let's serve him now. Let's follow him now. Let's, let's live like we would in heaven. Would we lie and cheel in our cheel? <laughs> what is, how do you do that? Um, like cheating and stealing at the same time. He's such a cheeler. Um, would you lie and cheat and steal and commit adultery in heaven? No, so don't do it here. Would you love people and reach out to people and tell people about the mercies and blessings and awesomeness of God in heaven? You bet you would. So do that here. Completely rewire your, bl- brain, your, brain, <laughs> your brain and live the way you would in heaven here on earth. So it's huge. And in your life, you have to ask yourself, am I living for his kingdom or am I living for my kingdom? Because really, that is the two driving forces between everything, is am I living for his kingdom or my kingdom? And if you're living for your kingdom, your focus is going to be, I've got to, and and please, I gotta make a little disclaimer, okay? This is really important. This is really important. I'm going to talk about some things. What I'm not saying at all in any way is, yeah, all you guys who don't come to my youth group, you don't come to my Wednesday night study because you had homework or you had sports, you're not living for the kingdom. That's, no, 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 (laughs) no, not at all. Like, you can live for the kingdom and do your homework. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a part of it. Like you're doing all things unto Christ. If you signed up for a sports team and you have a commitment to it, like follow your commitment as Jesus would follow his commitments. Like, we, like if, if we think that the only spiritual things are church, then we're just going to be living for coming to church services. We are to live our lives outside of the church for Jesus. So you can do that outside in, in your sports teams and your cheer teams and your friend groups and your hobbies. And, and I mean, you can do these things. But if your focus is on your kingdom, then everything you do is going to be, I've got to achieve. I've got to get the best grades that I can 
because I've got to get into the best college, because I've got to make enough money that I can get the best house and have the best wife or husband and the best kids, and then we can live in the best neighborhood, and we can have the best boat and the best three-car garage with the cars and the best retirement plan, and then we'll go to the beach when we're old and collect seashells. Yeah. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. That'll be sad if that's all you live for. Like, some of that can be a part of it. Like, yeah, you can go to a good college and get good grades, or maybe you'll fail college and, and feel like you're a failure. But Jesus says to you, you can live for his kingdom regardless of your circumstances, whether you make it into that good college you want or whether you end up at McDonald's flipping hamburgers. Like, you're not a failure because you live for the kingdom, no matter what the world says about your job. Some of you guys here might be working, and you might be thinking, well, I'm, my job isn't prestigious enough or glamorous enough. I'm just a barista, or I just work at a smoothie place or, or whatever. Like I just do this. Or I just do that. And, and I'll never be anything great. And I just, and it's like, you live for the kingdom. Like who, like what you do for work, that's not the goal. In the world's eyes, that's the thing. Whenever you meet a guy in the world, the first thing they ask is, so what do you do? I don't know what girls talk about when they meet each other, but like the first thing that guys talk about is, hey, uh, so what do you do? And there's like this pressure to like come up with, like I've got to present myself like I, 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 I achieved in the world. And in Jesus's eyes, like, I mean, if God calls you to, young men, if God called you to drop out of college and go live on the streets as a homeless guy and witness to homeless people, would you do it if God called you to? If God called you to move away to a foreign country as a missionary, would you do it? If God called you to completely reject the amazing college that you got accepted to, to go to this other college that you didn't want to, but you feel like God is leading you to it, would you go knowing that God had a plan and a mission for you in that place regardless of where you wanted to go? It's the difference between his kingdom come or my kingdom come. If we live for ourselves and only our goals, we'll have happiness temporarily, but we'll be chasing this rainbow that ends in a pot of nothing, basically. Like, that's all it is. It, it seems flashy, but it leaves you with absolute nothingness. But if we're chasing the Lord and his spirit, it leads us to so much joy in our life. It leads us to the things that he's called us to do. I could teach a whole study on that, so I'm just gonna go past it, but it's good stuff. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. I'm hungry now. This looks really good with some butter and some cinnamon or cheese. Not both. That's weird. Um, ask for your needs. Anybody here got needs? Anybody? Raise your hand. You got needs? Food, water, clothes, iPhones. <laughs> um, we've all got needs. We've all got things. I iPhone is not a need. But we've all got things that are like, things we need to survive. Like, are you asking God for your needs? Now, we ask God for our wants a lot. Like, God, this has been my prayer. God, please, please take my car. Please send down a fire. <laughs> send down an inferno to engulf that Toyota Corolla and just shoot it back up into the sky just, Lord, I mean, anything, like a dirty bomb, alien invasion, abduction of my car, like anything, literally anything. Take it from me so I have an excuse to go, because what I've, what I've, I'm, I'm poor, so, you know, what I've committed to is, like, I will drive this until it dies. So my prayer was, like, Lord, kill my car, and, and if you could just, like, I, I've heard, I, I have a pastor friend who, um, I actually just talked to him recently, and he's like, oh, yeah, it was awesome. Like, I was driving this old car, and then, like, this family in my church, like, just gave me this amazing Suburban. And I was like, I hate you <laughs> so much, passionately, because <laughs> I've been praying for that for years, uh, and no one gives me any cars. And it's okay. Um, and, and I'm not saying tell your parents to give me cars. Tell your parents to give me a car. <laughs> Do it. Um, no. That's my want. It's not my need. God's actually given me a car. My wife tells me all the time. She's like, Aaron, appreciate your car. While she drives her beautiful Chevy Lumina, uh, which is way better than my car with a better sound system. And you can plug in the tape adapter and listen to your iPhone. And I have to listen to one CD that's stuck <laughs> forever. <laughs> Won't come out. The eject button doesn't work anymore. It's the Avette Brothers. Uh, anyway. 
But again, these things are all my wants. And God knows what my needs are. You know what our needs are? You know, I'll tell you my, some of my needs, okay? My need is to have a relationship with God. My, my need is Jesus. My, I mean, daily bread, yes, I eat daily bread. There's probably never been a day I haven't eaten. Just, yeah, I fasted like once for like two hours. And I need to go back to it because it's awesome. And I'm going to do a steady on that one day. But we need a relationship with God. And one of the things I'm praying for desperately nowadays is God, give me a hunger for your word. Not just as your pastor who studies the Bible to teach you things, but give me a personal hunger for the word. I just want to be transparent and open with you. This is, that's something I've struggled with my whole life. I've never been able to be consistent. But you know what? This month has been great. I've had a lot of great times with the Lord this month, and I've realized I need that. Like, that's a daily thing. The days that I don't have Jesus, the days I don't wake up, or the days I don't do it before I go to bed, and I don't spend that time with Jesus, it really affects me. I don't become the person he's made me out to be. I become a shadow of myself with Jesus. I become fleshly. Like, I need that. I need that time with him. And you do too. Ask God for that. Ask him to give you a hunger for the word. If you're sitting here today and you're like, oh, I don't really care about the Bible. I've talked to some of you guys and it's like, oh, I don't really have a hunger for it. Ask for it. Like, don't wait for the hunger to come. Don't wait for a camp to get you fired up and then you just, you know, take a dive afterwards. Like, get fired up about the Lord now. Ask for that fire. Okay, some of you guys are tired right now and you're yawning even at what I'm saying to you, which is okay, I understand. I don't have the most exciting voice in the world. But understand that God desperately wants a relationship with you. And listen, he knows your needs. Like, he knows the things that you cry into your pillow at, at night sometimes, the things that you worry about and you're anxious about, the things that freak you out, the things that are going on in your family. You're just like, oh, I don't know about mom and dad. I don't know if that's going to, the things you freak out about. The things with your friends where you're just like, oh, man, I just want this drama to be over. The things in your life that cause you pain, the things in your life, I mean, you're, you're the, even the most basic of your needs, food, clothes, education. Jesus cares about these things. He cares about you. The Bible says he cares so much about a little bird that hits its head, falls out of a tree and dies. God's like, oh, that bird, oh, I love this bird. Oh, you are the greatest of my creations. Like, <laughs> he loves the birds. <laughs> He loves you even more, the Bible says. He looks at you, and you are your, his masterpiece. You're his workmanship created in Christ to do good things. He loves you. Ask for your needs. There's nothing wrong with it. Don't treat God like a genie. We're just like, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. I've done that. Give me a PS3. Give me a new car. Give me all these different things. Like Those kind of prayers, God's not so much interested in. He's looking for the genuine heart that comes to God with his needs with her needs? Are you coming to God with those things? I think a big need that goes along with this is forgiveness. We need forgiveness. Jesus instructs us to ask for forgiveness. Verse 12, after give us our daily bread, give us our needs, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This is a big one. This is one that I've neglected in my life. When I come to God, a lot of times the basic prayer is just, hey, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this day. Here's what I need. Here's my problem. Help me. And a lot of times it's not like sitting down and reflecting on the darkness of my own nature and saying like, God, here's where I've messed up. Here's where I've made a mistake. I need help. But that is an essential part of your relationship with Jesus. And here, if you think of it as like, confessional time, you know, like where you've got to go in the principal's office and he's like, all right, tell me what you did. Tell me what you messed up. What'd you do? Then you're going to be bummed out. But if you think of it as like you're a little kid and you're like running around outside and you're getting beat up, you're tripping, you're falling, you're getting scraped up, you're bleeding. And you come to your dad and you're like, and he's like, what happened? Like, what happened to you? Not like, how dare you fall? But like, what happened? You're bleeding. Like, tell, tell me what happened. And you go through and you're like, well, this one was when I was running in the thorn bush. This is the one where I got kicked in the head by a mule. The head, <laughs> like, created a growth. I don't, I don't know. 
But you understand what I'm saying? Like you go to God and God, he sees us dirtied up from our sin and he's not like angry. Jesus took the punishment for our sin. God's not looking to destroy us with his wrath. He's looking to heal us. When you hear God coming after you and you run from God because you're scared of that punishment, you think of God as like you, you hear that Holy Spirit, like you, you know the Lord's coming from you and you run because you think it's the sound of a police siren, but it's actually the sound of an ambulance. It's because God wants to heal you. He's the doctor and you're sick. Sometimes that involves punishment, like a shot, but the medicine heals us. We need to come to God with our sins, confess them on a regular basis. Like I would say once a week minimum, going to God and just reflecting on the week and saying, man, God, I gossiped about her. I was prideful about that. I got angry about that. Like I was disrespectful of my parents here. Like, man, I need help. And some of you guys, this might be hard because you, like me, just want to think about all the good things. You want to sit around and go, man, I'm great. And people said, I'm great here. And I got a compliment there. And that's pretty great. Like, if you, I think a lot of us are like that. We, don't, we want to think about the things that make us feel good about ourselves because Disney, right? Like, that's the way we grew up. Like, believe in yourself and be positive and all your dreams can come true. And God actually calls us to reflect on our own darkness and to bring those things before him. And here's the thing. If, if you just fill your heart with all this superficial fluff about, oh, I'm great, and you're only thinking about all the good things, you do have real actual darkness and sin in your heart. And if that doesn't come out, it will burrow in. Do you know what I mean? If that doesn't get out, it'll worm its way deeper and darker into our heart until your heart will be so black that you can't even see that sin anymore. Or you won't even think of it as sin. You won't even recognize it. You will think of it as something that is precious to you, like Gollum and Lord of the Rings. You won't be able to see the wickedness. You will just view it as something that you love and something that you don't want to get rid of. So confession needs to be a regular part, going to God and just, here's my sin, you take it. Why would you carry around with a backpack full of rocks if there was a really strong guy who was willing to carry it for you? That's what Jesus is. He's, when he died for us, he's like, here, I'm taking the burden from you. Why would we then say, hey, Jesus, give this back to me and carry it around? We need to confess our sins and ask for forgiveness. The last thing, is to ask for strength. It says, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God doesn't tempt you. God doesn't want to tempt you. He, God can't lead you into temptation. Like, he's not going to do that. God's not going to be like, hey, that liquor store looks like something that'd be great for you to rob. Like, you're not going to open up your Bible, and it's going to be like, second opinions, chapter three, verse two, go rob that bank. Like, I'm going to actually do what the Bible says for once. Like, that's never going to happen. God's not going, the reason this verse is saying this is it's like a shepherd walking with the sheep. And it's like, the sheep are like, don't lead us into temptation. Don't lead us into darkness. Don't lead us into the pit. Like, lead us away. And God's like, oh yeah, you don't need to ask me. Like, I'm already on it. Like, we're asking God, help me through life. And we need this. Like, we're surrounded by temptation all the time. Everywhere, we're bombarded with different types of temptation. Temptations to be angry. Temptations to lie and deceive. Temptations in the lustful variety. Temptations to rebel and go against our parents. Temptations to just abandon the Lord. Like, it's like that old hymn goes, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. So often our hearts are prone to walk away from God. So we need to ask God, Lord, lead me away from temptation. Like, Lord, direct me to you. Deliver me from the evil one. Satan's out to get us. The Bible says he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. We need to ask God to help us. And he has the strength to help us. And this is important. This is important, okay? Because think about this. When you're in a war, it would be strange if you didn't talk about it, right? If you were like on a battlefield and there's bullets whizzing by you and grenades going off and people are dying around you and you were talking to your friends and it was just like, hey, did you see American Idol last night? Pretty great, huh? Like, that would be weird. I'm not saying it's a sin if you talk about American Idol, 
But what I am saying is if you're in a war and you don't acknowledge it, you don't acknowledge the battle, then you're, you're going to die. You're going to be clueless out there. And what Satan wants to do is he wants to completely blind you to the fact that there's a battle. And if that's happening, he's winning. If you can't see the battle, if your life, if all you can see is just the physical and you can't see the spiritual, if you can't realize, like, man, why do I get so angry at my mom? It's because Satan hates you and he's trying to trick you and lead you into rebellion. If you're like, man, why do I lust so much? It's because Satan despises you and he's put temptations in front of you that can destroy you. If you're like, man, why do I get so, like, why am I so deceitful? Like, why am I always so tempted to lie and gossip? It's because Satan knows your weakness and he's attacking you with it. Are you going to fight back? Are you just going to ignore the battle? Are you just going to repress and repress and sweep your sin under the rug and just be like, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to acknowledge it. Like, I don't, I don't want to apologize. I don't want to, like, that's what we do. We push our sin under the rug. But God is calling us to come and lay our burdens on our sins before him and acknowledge it. And in doing so, it's like going to the general and saying, we're out there and here's the battle and here's where I got shot and here's where we need help. And he's like, all right, I'm on it. And you're talking to him and it's like this understanding that you're in the war. If you're not doing that on a regular basis, I challenge you, go before God, be honest with your sin, ask for help, ask for strength and watch what he does in your life afterwards. Watch how he responds to your requests for help. Not just generic, thank you, Lord. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. I hope a goblin doesn't eat me. Like that's, that's no, like before you go to bed, when you wake up, like go to Jesus and pray and ask for help. I know it takes concentration. I know it takes time. I know it takes work, but all relationships do. Our relationship with God should be no different. The very last thing, very, very last thing, I'm sorry that I gave you a false sense of lastness with the last one. End with praise. Just very simply, he ends with praise. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. End with praise. I'll give you guys an example of what this would look like. Dear Lord, Thank you so much. You're so awesome. You're so amazing. You're, you're mighty and you're strong and I'm, I'm so thankful I have you in your life. God, there's these situations in my life and they're, they're driving me crazy and it's really hard, but I want your will to be done. Whatever you want to do in me, make it happen. Help me to live as your disciple here on earth. Help me to live the way you did. Here's the things that I need. I'm, I'm struggling with this. And, and there's some things going on in my life here and I really, I need help with this and, and my grades are doing bad here and I really need to bring them up. Give me the strength to do it. Give me the concentration. Help me to bring those grades up. Um, Lord, I've sinned. I've messed up here. I made a mistake here this week. I did this. I need help. And God, there's some people who wronged me. Help me to forgive them. Help me to love them the way that you love me. And there's all these temptations. Lead me away from them. Like, deliver me from Satan. He's after me. Help me, God. Because you are amazing and you're awesome and your kingdom is great. And, and I'm so excited I get to be a part of it. Thank you so much that you've included me in your kingdom. And I, I wanna help your kingdom be here. I wanna bring it. Help me to live my life in a way that I can bring your kingdom. You're so great, Jesus. I love you. Amen. Which just means yes. Amen's, amen's not like a magical word. It's like if you, if you pray and you don't end it with amen, God's not like sitting there like, <laughs> like waiting. <laughs> like if you prayed and didn't say amen and then walked away, God's not just like, but what's next? Like, <laughs> amen just means yes. So when you pray, it's just basically going like, Lord, I need your help. Yes. Like that's, that's what it is. Okay. And with praise because God deserves it. Now I think we have some time Really quickly for some questions. Oh, man. Why do we need to pray for every meal? We don't. But it's nice to honor the Lord for it. But it's not a requirement of being a Christian. So don't feel the obligation and don't do it out of a sense of religious duty. Pray because you love God and pray often. Don't just pray at meal times. That's stupid. Um, Jason Duff tells a story of like, there's all these angels um, that are like, ready to serve God and like ready to go. And like, cause when we pray, God sends his angels to help us. But it's like, there's one angel who gets all the work and his name is Clarence the food angel. And he's just like there, he's like, yeah, I'm ready to bless the food. And everyone's like, man, like it's a bummer. We could be like 
curing poverty or like saving orphans. But like the only angel who ever gets any work is just Clarence the food angel who's like, yeah, I'm going to bless some nachos. It's like, <laughs> let's pray for things besides food. Like if, if we had to sacrifice like not praying for food in the, in, in the, what am I trying to say? If we had to throw out praying for food and instead supplement it with like praying for things that mattered, like that would be way better. But I still pray for my food at times because I love God. But if, if I, it's just because, oh, we gotta bless the meal because it's tradition, that's dumb. Pray because you love Jesus. How do we know when God is talking to us? I get this question all the time. If you're like, how do I know when God is talking to me? I was just talking to a kid. I've talked to people all the time who are like, I don't know when God speaks to me. Here's what you got to understand. He's speaking all the time. The problem is we don't listen all the time. Here's some ways that he speaks. One, through his word. How do you get the word? Well, one, you should be reading it on your own. You should be waking up in the morning or going to bed at night or in the afternoon, whenever. You should be opening up God's word and saying, God, what do you want to say to me through this? And then as you read it, listen. But you also get the word here and on Wednesday nights. Like we go through Bible studies. Did you know that God is trying to talk to you through what we're saying up here? Like God is trying to speak to you. Are you listening? Did you know that when your parents correct you, your, your parents who are Christians, when they correct you, when they try to help you, when they speak into your life, advice or even discipline, that's also the Lord speaking to you through them? Did you know that when you get together with a friend or a small group leader or a counselor or just, just one of your besties, one of your friends, and you guys sit together and you go to a coffee shop or, or when you like open up God's word together and you're like, man, God really showed me this. God wants to speak to you through that person. God is literally trying to speak to us all the time. And the problem is we're not listening. We're not like, um, it's, we were talking about it on Wednesday night. Um, I walk around and I hear that little Tweety Bird, you know, like in the sound of texting. Can you guys do the sound? Anybody? Can you do it? Can anyone do that sound? That I can't, I can't whistle. It sounds like a bird, okay? <laughs> yes, kind of, not at all. Um, close, close, but not. But I'll be walking and I'll hear that text noise. Like I'll hear a phone go off and I'll immediately think, was that for me? Was that for me? And I'll pull out my phone. I'm like desperately like wanting some connection with somebody on social media. Like, did someone comment? Did someone like? And, and that's how I am. So there's been times where I've heard a phone go off, like, and it literally sounds like it's like on the other side of the room, but there's, I still pull out my phone just in case someone tried to get a hold of me, just in case I got a text. And it's like, why aren't we treating God that way? Why aren't we like sitting in Bible studies and going, well, was that for me? Was, was that for me? I think that was for me. I'm gonna write that down. Like, why aren't we going through the world and, we're, and you look at nature and you're looking at the ocean and God wants to speak to you and you're like, was that for me? Like, is God trying to show me something through the ocean? Is God trying to show me something through the beauty of a cloud? Is, is God trying to show me something through my parents? We're not listening. And a lot of it has to do with us being so glued to these guys. Try to listen to what God is saying to you. He desperately wants to talk to you. Do like probably one more. Let's see. The question of how do I pray, whoever wrote this, how do I pray when asking God's will in certain areas of my life? We go back to verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Because guys, that's what's awesome Whatever God's will is, is going to be amazing. God is incredible. God is awesome. So whatever his will is, we know will be the best for our lives. Here's the last one that I'll do. Why does God sometimes say yes and sometimes no to our prayers? Because those are answers. All right, you can go. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, there's a saying that's like, God, when dealing with our prayers, will sometimes say yes, he'll sometimes say no, and he'll sometimes say maybe. And think in these kind of circumstances, like you might pray like, God, I pray that I won't die next year. And then like you live and you're like, answered prayer, yes. But then you'll be like, God, I really want a girlfriend right this second. Like I prayed in sixth grade and seventh grade and eighth grade and ninth grade. Like praying like, God, I just want a girlfriend. And he's like, no, 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 no. 
That was frustrating. And then sometimes you pray and God's like, wait. Like, don't. Not yet. It's really frustrating, but you have to trust that his will is better than ours. You've got to trust it. You've got to know that he sees the whole picture. Like he literally is like master of time and space. He looks at your life. He sees the best it could possibly be and he's working towards that. So if he says yes to something, it's like, this is something that he really wants you to have right now and you're stoked. If he says no, that's something that would have harmed you. Guys, there might be a girl you're going after and you're praying and God's like, no, there's a reason. Like God doesn't want your life to be terrible. And you're like, but she's so pretty and great and awesome and not for long. Like I'm not saying like, that she'll be not pretty. Like, that's not what I'm trying to say, girls. But I'm saying, like, girls, you might, there might be a guy, and you're like, oh, he's so awesome and handsome and wonderful and sweet. And God's like, yeah, but I know what he's going to turn into the minute you start dating him. Sometimes God says no because he knows what's going to happen. And sometimes he says wait because he wants us to trust him through. For me, I waited and waited and waited and waited and waited, even when I knew Brooklyn. And I wanted this, like the third week I knew her, I wanted to just grab her hand, give her a kiss on the cheek and start dating her. And God was like, wait, 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 wait. Like every time I prayed, hey God, can I? No, wait. But what if I, no, wait. Maybe just no, wait, you dummy. (laughs) He didn't want me to mess it up. And you know what was awesome is I waited and waited and waited and waited And what developed out of the waiting was this beautiful friendship that had none of the awkward weirdness of being a relationship, any of the expectation of being in a relationship, like none of that stuff. And that was the groundwork for my relationship with my wife. And now we have this beautiful friendship. How many years have we known each other? We're going to be married five years in March. Eight years. Best friends for eight years. And God did that. And if I would have done what I wanted to just like date her right away, maybe it, wouldn't, maybe it would have like fallen apart or maybe it would have been weird and crazy. But it's like God gave us that time of waiting because he knew that we needed it. And just in your own life, God's calling some of you guys to wait on some stuff right now. I wanna challenge you, wait, knowing he has your best intentions in mind and you'll mess it up if you try to do it on your own. But if you follow God's will for your life, you'll be blessed. So let's pray. And let's try to do it in the most non-stereotypically religious way possible. But let's just talk to God. And then when we're done praying right now, publicly, go home and talk to God for Pete's sake. Do it, okay? That's all I gotta say. Let's pray. God, you're amazing and you're wonderful. And I'm not gonna cheat and look at the format over there um, to see how to pray to you. But I love you. And I'm so thankful for who you are and how amazing you are. And your word is awesome. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for teaching us your word. And I pray that you would burn it into our hearts, tattoo it into our minds. And I pray we'd go home and we would talk to you. I pray we'd put that at the top of our to-do list, understanding that it's not like we've got to fulfill this religious duty or we've got to do our little Christian checklist, but you want to talk to us and you want to help us and you want to give us a relationship with you and we need that desperately. Help us, help us to follow you in that way. Help us to be your disciples and help us to live for your kingdom and not our own. We love you and we ask all these things in your name, amen.